After a long hiatus and some COVID delays, Diana Prince finally returned to the big screen and streaming services in the long-awaited sequel, Wonder Woman 1984. Did this sequel live up to the hype, or did it fall short compared to the first movie? In this episode, we'll dive into Wonder Woman's second solo outing and give our own lasso of truth opinion on the film. I'm Jose Lopez, and this is Nerdcraft Nation. Welcome back to another episode of Nerdcraft Nation. For this week, we'll be diving in to the anticipated sequel, Wonder Woman 1984. I'm your host, Jose Lopez, and with me as always, we have Austin Hall. Hello! Brandon Cassidy. Hey, everybody. And Chris Walker. Bonjour. All right, so Wonder Woman 1984 had been pushed back considerably due to all the coronavirus pushing this movie back and forth until Warner Brothers just decided, you know what, fuck it. We're just going to release this shit on HBO Max and call it a day and in theaters at the same time so that the theater people don't get pissed off at us. I mean, at some point they had to just yell, fuck it, do it live. Yep. At some point, it had to be done. They finally settled on Christmas Day 2020 and threw this movie in theaters and HBO Max simultaneously at no additional cost, unlike other streaming services that charge an extra fee. And we're going to dive right into the general thoughts of the movie. Brandon, let's start with you, since I know you had a lot of thoughts coming out of the first Wonder Woman movie. So I wrote a review for the site, and okay. that was based off of me watching it a single time. That was effectively a hot take review. I had more time to sit back and watch the movie a second time and also watch it back to back from the first to this one. And I have four words to say after watching it a second time. I renounced my review. This shit was trash. <laughs> well, the Rotten Tomato score has officially flipped to rotten from fresh. It went from certified fresh earlier on then to just regular fresh and it has officially flipped to rotten. Yeah, I renounced my review. I renounced my wish. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly Exactly why I say it. <laughs> When I sat back and watched the movie again, and I actually put my thinking cap on this time, I think the first time I watched it right up to the beginning of the Celtics game, and I was just so excited to switch over the Celtics game that I just almost forced myself to like say that I liked the movie and then wrote like I did. And then I watched it a second time and I had no idea what I was talking about and what I wrote. I was like, I could not really say that I actually liked this movie. I laughed through most of it. I fell asleep last night and I finished it today. This is not a good movie. And it is extremely disappointing that it is not a good movie, considering it almost makes me feel like the first one is a fluke. I was listening to another podcast that I like listening to a lot and they were talking about how they kind of feel that DC should just give up on superheroes and just do villain movies because those seem to be the better ones. And at this point, I agree. It feels like the first one was a fluke and that's really disappointing. I made a whole list of like notes and stuff just watching the movie, but I'm not going to do like I did with Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> which we had to cut. <laughs> well, I guess Brandon, to cut it down, what were your three main issues with the movie? If I have to cut it down to a top three the movie's too long the plot is just ridiculous and then the, i just have issues with the way that they handle the characters fundamentally it just feels like the best thing about the movie was the actors themselves but not actually the movie there are a couple things here and there that are nice to see but when i really just sit there and try to piece together what they were going for i get what the attempt was but it really falls flat it's kind of sad i thought i liked it usually when you like a movie you rewatch it you're just like oh yeah this is why i liked it i watched this one and i was like what the fuck was i thinking so yeah no this is bad. Well, we process that. Austin, how about you? What were your general thoughts on the movie? This movie is the movie version of when Gal Gadot had all of the celebrities sing Imagine off-key by John Lennon. <laughs> Jesus if, if Christ, y'all ain't gonna leave nothing for me. <laughs> that was movie length. I came out of watching that and I was like, I don't have any thoughts on this movie. But thinking on it now, it's corny with no substance and in a lot of ways, it's just a retread of the first movie. I said that in my review, actually. Ah, well, there you go. So Wonder Woman hasn't really changed as a character. 
from the first one to the second one. You know, it's like she went on ice for 40 years and then has to learn the same lesson again about things. I will say, before I forget, the scene between Maxwell Lord and his son really tugged at my heartstrings, and it yeah. made me cry. I'm not going to lie. I, and I think the main reason why it made me cry is I wasn't expecting there to be such a human element and for there to be actual good acting in this movie with, you know, actual stakes in this movie. You know, I'm a sucker for any time, you know, a father and a son reunite or a mother and child reunite. That'll get a tear out of me almost every time, as long as it's done correctly. I think that's more Pedro Pascal's acting more than, than anything else in it. At best, it's like whatever kind of movie. And at worst, it's imagine there's no heaven for two and a half hours. Well, Chris, let's get your thoughts on the movie then. Thoughts? What are thoughts? <laughs> to put this very simply, my favorite part of this movie was Pedro Pascal doing a very good scam artist impression of Gordon Gecko. Yes. Like that, hands down, the best performance in this movie. From there, I just have questions. So I'm just going to cycle through these. And the first one is, why is the opening scene 11 minutes? And why is it just lightly like needed through the rest of the movie? It's not. Um, it's not. It's really not. Patty is Jenkins Pedro Pascal's assistant supposed to be Eastern European? Because that woman is British and there's no reason for that weird accent. Oh, colonization boy. Yep. Didn't even notice. Okay. <laughs> What's like the blowback for Barbara slash Cheetah's like wish in this movie? Excellent question. Oh. He lost her humanity yeah basically ah still doesn't land that well in the beginning nope. nope like there's no side effect at all to start and then it's just like later but she blatantly uses a second wish to become an apex predator so it's creepier well, everyone only gets one wish then how does she get a second wish that's my next question <laughs> So when he's granting the wishes at the end, he basically uses that as a cheat code to fulfill her second wish. Yeah, mm, Like, you okay. know how when he's granting wishes, he has that Cyclops, okay, I'll give you this, but in return, I get blah, blah, blah. That's what he used one of the wishes for. Yeah, give her your strength, give her your rage, give me this, give her that. Yeah, so he just starts yeah. going off that's on that. That's a cheap loophole. <laughs> that's, a che- that's a cheap loophole. So many cheap loopholes in this movie. Actually, this isn't as much of a question. This is a statement. I think I originally had it formatted as a question. Chris Pine being being surprised by everything is a very underrated part of this movie because honestly i expected his head to explode when he saw the jet plane yeah <laughs> i thought it was just gonna they should have made him fall on the escalator though <laughs> they should have yeah, that that all the way through that would have been great yeah I have two other questions that i really needed to get through is one of them where are the black people mm. Yes, there and was that no. one little black girl that she saved. No, no, no. Natasha Rothwell is in this. She is their boss. And I was like, all right, yeah, sure. That's representation. Oh, yeah, the boss at the Smithsonian. Kelvin Yu has like five words that he says, and that's disappointing. They're in Egypt, and the Egyptian <laughs> premier or king is Bialyan. But what was the point of that? Are we going to get Queen Bee? at some point i mean i wouldn't mind that as long as it's actually a good movie that's true and my last question is why was this movie in 1984 you and everyone else is asking that question and it is it, because it question. doesn't matter like it does not matter at all and it like do much with a 80 setting at all just exactly. oh, casual background music and they like, don't there's not enough that. 80s music in this movie at all and like i get that diana is lonely i get all that but like you could do this exact movie in modern day and you yeah. could maybe ground it better i don't know but the one thing that yeah. really stood out for this movie is that it wants to be winter soldier and it can't land any of the efforts that it wants to make itself winter soldier it's not thoughtful it's not engaging enough it's just blah and like it's hard to get through and it's two and a half fucking hours it makes a fucking boring two and a half hour movie especially when the first act is an hour long yeah the first act being an hour long is just disturbing actually the third act isn't longer than maybe what like 30 minutes maybe maybe, maybe 40 it's not an evenly paced movie at all oh no like when you're in not the third act you're in the third act but they rush through that so quickly that you're just like why are we here oh yeah and my last thing is the amount of yellow filter in this movie is the reminder that this is a patty jenkins movie <laughs> especially yeah. in the cairo scenes yeah also i didn't know that gal gadot cared about middle eastern children 
There it is. And in this okay. movie, when she saves the kids, it's like, I didn't know that Gal Gadot saved Middle Eastern kids. Gal Gadot likes Arab kids. Hmm. That was the thing even before the first Wonder Woman movie. And it's kind of a thing to grapple with, you know, like separating the art from the artist. I know there was a huge uproar. It's a tricky thing to criticize that region of the world and to specifically to be critical of like Israel or an Israeli actress. But I know that people are trying to walk a fine line where they're trying to stand up for what they think is right. And it's just messy, like especially the way that, yeah. they, that it ends up getting handled. As a Jew myself, I feel like it's a wasted opportunity because I think it would have been really cool to have a Jewish Wonder Woman who actually understood the fact that Israel has done some horrible things to Palestinians. In real life, I'd like a two-state solution where people aren't killed. Yeah. World peace. Yeah, peace world peace. Time. That'd be nice. Yeah. That would be nice. So then, my general thoughts on the Wonder Woman movie. <laughs> Overall, I thought it was like, yeah, it was okay. It didn't hold a candle to the first movie. And oddly enough, I can't believe I'm going to say this, I think it needed more Zack Snyder influence for one woman specifically. A lot of people seem to like the Amazon warrior princess aesthetic that the first Wonder Woman movie brought and that we saw in Batman v Superman and Justice League. And those were basically Snyder's influence. But in this movie, Patty Jenkins really just wanted to do like a Wonder Woman movie like the 70s linda carter show and it kind of show through the mainly cheesy moments throughout the film but yeah god damn the pacing in this movie just first half specifically we only get like five action scenes total in this whole movie compared to the first one that had like tight story with like little bits of action sprinkled evenly throughout that was great like here we get the opening scene which i was we've already said didn't really need to be in the movie it was nice to look at the scenery was great themiscara ninja warrior vibe to it was nice but and ended up adding almost nothing up until the end where the whole kind of line about truth being important and then sort of vaguely setting up the Asteria armor that's going to be used later on in the movie. I had this weird feeling that they just re-signed everybody to contract so quickly before they had the story written that they were like, oh, you guys, you guys, we got to get Robin Wright in this movie. How do we do it? How do we do it? How do we do it? It definitely seems like it's like, oh, yeah, we need to bring the Amazons back somehow. But how do we do that since Diana left the island? She hasn't come back. So we'll do this random flashback about this thing that is vaguely important to the plot at hand. But yeah, compared to the first one, man, what a letdown. Peter Pascal, at least, was very good. Like, his meme has been trending a lot, like, from this movie. Like, life is good, but it can be better. It can be better. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> like, the one good meme that's getting out of this movie, so we'll take it there. Steve Trevor coming back was just a can of worms a mess for today's climate. Like, I get that Patty Jenkins was trying to do an homage to, like, movies like Big or Heaven Can Wait, where there's, like, this body swap kind of thing, but considering the events of the movie, it got a little murky for today's audience. It, it didn't fly. She tried to use Big as an example, but even then it's like, there was essentially statutory rape in that movie. If you look at it today, it would not fly. Like, it gets very murky. Yeah. I mean, even with the murkiness aside, there's still the glaring plot holes that come up just to get the invisible jet in. Yeah. Just like, oh, she can make things invisible now. And then that happens, well, and then we never see her again. Not even just that. The whole thing about, oh, you don't have a passport. It's, you're in another guy's body. Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure the other guy, the guy whose body you're inhabiting has he, a passport. He lives in D.C. He has to have a passport. Yeah. I don't have enough time to explain uh, this to you, but there's this thing called radar. That scene was funny. Let, let me be clear. Yeah. I may have thought that they jumped through hoops to get there, but that scene was funny, because like, especially yeah, yeah. his reaction. That was worth it. It was funny. That was worth it. And considering well, shit, that he was... <laughs> like the entire the line of logic was... of bring this man who fought in World War One into 1980s they Captain knew America. the comedy they were getting there. Yeah. Chris Prine running around with a fanny pack on was hilarious. And also True. just styling. Yeah. And at least a 19, so what, 17 pilot can fly an 1984 jet that's fully fueled just sitting around a museum. I can fly. <laughs> He's just a full on Anakin Skywalker yeah. over here. Yeah. Yep. Because a plane is a plane. Oh, man. But yeah, I feel like they could have done a lot more with the barbarous character and hair transition to Cheetah. Like, I feel like we needed more scenes with her and ensure her progression from ally to villain. Pedro Pascal was great, but we didn't need to see as many scenes with Maxwell Lord. He's a sketchy businessman. We know what his motivations are. He wants more. He wants power. We don't need to explore this whole arc. The touch with his son, that was great and all, but it didn't need to go beyond that. Like, Barbara's done. We need to focus that arc of like, okay, she started out as the classic DC trope of nerdy girl that then turns into supervillain, as we've seen before in many DC movies. And mm -hmm. yeah. it needed to be fulfilled more to get to the point where she got in that movie. And 
I hope that we see more of her in future movies because I feel like that character still has a lot to be explored. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I mean, she's no longer the cheetah, but she still has, she never announced her initial wish. Yeah. So she still has that strength left. So I'm curious what they do. Yeah, they left the door open so maybe she can come back. Yeah. Jose, you did bring up something earlier though that actually just made me really think about it. You mentioned that you felt that this movie probably weirdly needed more of Zack Snyder's influence for once. Yeah. I weirdly agree. And I say this because it's something that I think I've brought up off air before, but I feel like the only member of the Justice League that Zack Snyder actually gets is Wonder Woman. It's the weirdest thing to me. He has never done her a disservice so far, I feel. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> yeah. It amazes me too. It's like, it oh, amazes like, me too. <laughs> even like in the sort of slow mo scenes in this one, he's like, oh shit, Zack Snyder did slow mo scenes better than. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. He understood her. He respects her. And he just like the way that he handles her action and even just like the subtle things like she was the best part of Batman vs Superman. Yeah. And she was in it for 10 minutes. I actually for a long time had convinced myself that Batman vs Superman was good. And it took me a long time to realize that I had only really paid attention to the Wonder Woman parts there you go. and forgot about the other the rest of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So I concur. Yeah, and it's just the weirdest thing to me. Like, how did this happen? Like, we have such a great character, beloved by all. The first movie was great. I guess they couldn't secure the writer from the first movie because he's a writer on some Ronda Rhyme shows. And she was like, no, 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 I need this guy for my shows. Like, you can't have him. You had him for the first movie. You can't have him come back. But Oh, he I worked for like, Shonda? Yeah. He wrote some episodes for Scandal, I believe, or something like that. That would make sense. But yeah, I feel like for the third one, they need to bring this dude back. Like, at least the first one had a clear, tight story that they could, like go through and the action was better handled everything was more dynamic for this one oh boy the story really got away from them or here's a novel idea they could actually try getting a woman to write wonder woman well patty jenkins wrote the script for this one i don't i mean an actual writer oh okay. like no offense to patty jenkins she's a fantastic director she's not a great writer yeah i could be wrong this might give me some concern for the star wars movie but i think she's a great director but her writing especially for something like this just not nah, get me nia DeCosta or something like give me someone who will have something to take away from this movie get the person who wrote birds of prey yeah they can yeah. get her to write it yeah she i mean yeah she's already doing birds of prey batgirl and the flash so yeah add another one to the list then i think i'd be interested to see the glow writers do oh yeah wonder that'd woman be, that's oh, a, that'd be a good thing great point that's yeah. an interesting okay glow has some great conflict on it yeah too bad it got canceled because of covid that got canceled because of covid yeah it got caught because of covid because of filming i guess restrictions they had they said it wasn't worth it money wise yeah i could see that show being very expensive to make all right i'm gonna throw this out there to see if there's actually an answer from you guys on this were there any favorite moments that you had or favorite characters from this movie or did it feel just like meh i know we said pedro pascal character is really the one that seems to get in love but any other scenes that stood out to you guys brandon seemed like you want to say something so for what it's worth i actually liked the mall scene i guess that's probably the closest aside from the invisible jet even though it's completely nonsensical I appreciated that nod. Oh, so that might be a favorite moment, but like his favorite scene, I liked the mall. It was nice to just see Diana like in her element and just run around saving people. I know there's a lot. We got a lot of lasso in this movie. That should basically but, work like the Spider-Man web. Yeah, but I thought the mall sequence, you know, I, I know we talked about it being cartoony and stuff off air, but to me, the cartoony was a good thing because it felt like I was watching the Justice League cartoon where it's like Wonder Woman comes in. It's like, oh, she's just on patrol, does her thing. It is weird for her to try to, to maintain things in secret but it's probably just because of the whole Justice League happened before this and we're doing this as a flashback trying to hold continuity but like everything else just felt like all right yeah this is classic Wonder Woman so I like that it kind of reminds me of like one of the only scenes I liked in Justice League being the Wonder Woman foiling Uh, the bank robbery yeah how about you chris i like that scene i like i've already mentioned the chris pine stuff i like pedro pascal's performance in this movie it does bring up a good question though of why are you using maxwell lord who kind of i think in the 90s is kind of a prominent enough character he like starts the justice league international and things like that why are you using him in such a far away time that he's probably going to be a substantially older if you guys do a third movie that flashes forward enough but i don't know weird use of ip in this movie in a way because the dolos god character is in the dcip it actually honestly that was kind of good use of that one character name but like it's not great use of it Kristen wiggs cheetah has been revitalized as a character within the dc comics within the past 
I want to say within the past three years, really, and has yeah, really. I think in Rebirth, oh, no. they did a lot of with uh, Barbara Minerva version of her. Character. Yeah, yeah. So like past five years, yeah, yeah. She's really yeah. been rebounded. She's great in Justice Two, the video game. She's like a great yeah. character to use. They used to like a good amount of DCIP in this movie in weird ways, and I just want to know, like Simon Stagg. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Simon Stagg. Yeah. I thought that was the randomest mention. And I was just like, well, you guys, at some point, there's going to be a third movie. And like, I don't know what you're going to time framing wise. Like, I don't. Again, it goes back to my central question of why was this movie in 1984? Yeah, I think they had said that the third one will be present day. Why didn't why didn't they do that in this movie? The same reason for the Marvel stuff, because they were going to be like, where's the Justice League? Yep. All right. How about you, Austin? Any moments that stood out to you? characters yeah i think the strong suit of the movie was the person to person scenes the scene with chris pine and gal gadot where chris pine is saying you have to let me go i've lived my time we've had this time together you have to let me go that in the pedro pascal scene that i mentioned earlier the two scenes where you were engrossed in the film and it felt like there was stakes and meaning behind it because you could see that Wonder Woman just got the love of her life back and has to let that person go again. I think that was what worked. Yeah. Another thought I had about 84, I think I know their intention for 84 because the 80s had the conflicts that were, you know, already displayed in the movie, the rivalry with the Soviet Union and the US, but they were just small parts of the movie. And it would have made more sense to make it feel like an 80s movie where you got the feeling of what it was like to be living in 1984 and have Ronald Reagan as your president and being terrified of the Soviets, the rise of consumerism and the yuppie movement, which I think is what they wanted Maxwell Lord to be, was the human embodiment of the yuppie movement, where people were getting rich off of scams and, you know, there was no way to really stop that. It was half-assed. They didn't really dig into it. So it's a movie that had kind of boilerplate 80s stuff. Yeah, but like you still have that even today, like people are getting rich off of Instagram scamming and like things like that. Like you could functionally make Maxwell Lord into a technology entrepreneur whose technology just functionally doesn't work. And like he just owns this IP and it's useless. And then he goes and he gets the Dreamstone and he's like, I wish that this worked. He goes and he makes it rich and like you get the same movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't justify a reason for having it in 84. Yeah. They just had nods to 84 and you could kind of see what they wanted to do, but they didn't do it. Yeah. It was like being at a museum and seeing like exhibit, but like not really interacting with that exhibit at all. It's like at the Smithsonian. It was a shallow representation of you know, what people thought the 80s. Now that I think about it, Chris, you brought up a good point about Winter Soldier earlier, even down to the Smithsonian. (laughs) (laughs) It's taking place in DC. (laughs) Sir, I said what I said for a reason. I said that blatantly for you. (laughs) That's a fair point. The DC thing I I get solely because apparently Patty Jenkins lived here in the 80s and see what she felt like she wanted to do something like throwback to her days in in DC. Then why did she do more? Did she not like DC in the 80s? (laughs) That's what it feels like. Was she too young and Bailey remembers it would have been nice if she had actually looked out her window when she was living there. (laughs) I guess, yeah. Because, like, even the clothing's like, yeah, Chris Pine and he's trying out different outfits. I felt it in that scene, but not really much anywhere else. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. These are clothes that, like, yeah, I mean, could be from the 80s, could also be from, like, the 90s for, like, the stuff, like, maybe Diana was wearing and stuff like that. It seemed too vague from the 80s. Hell, they could even have, like, more 80s music playing in the mall, for God's sakes. Like, throw some real speed wagon up in there or something. I don't know. Thank you. And it's more black people. I'm just going to be blunt about it's it. It's DC. It's DC. <laughs> Literally. It is DC. It's DC. Brandon, I come down to DC once a year. You know what I see everywhere we go? Black people. <laughs> black people. Yeah. We oh go to a God. bar in a very white part of town. You know what I saw in that bar? Black people that I didn't know. Exactly. Yeah, I guess it just cast the one little girl at the mall and the boss at the Smithsonian. There's like, yeah, well, that's enough. Oh, no, the homeless guy, too. Don't forget. Oh, yeah. and the homeless oh, guy. Oh, yeah, the yeah. homeless guy. The homeless guy. You know what, though? They could have said that it was Boston. They could have gotten away with it. People would have believed that. True. Because apparently yeah. there's no black people in Boston. So you guys know. <laughs> 
Oh man. But yeah, for me, I've kind of wished A, that the cheetah fight scene had been longer and probably brighter. I don't know if they were going for like a where cheetah angle, because if you think about it, she only turns into cheetah at night. So maybe that's the way they go about it. Oh, she kept her powers, but she only turns into cheetah in a full moon or some shit like that. Mm. Who knows? Maybe. See, that would have made an interesting side effect. That would have actually sold the whole idea of you losing your humanity. Like if at night she would literally turn into this where cheetah. Yeah. Exactly. It would have been comic book level campy but it would have landed because it the rest landed. Of the movie was too cheesy for it it was too blue cheese yeah yeah see for me i had to like watch it again and think about what could i have changed to make this work a little better so here's basically what i came up with that would have made this movie probably a lot better one the whole chief driver thing just have him come back to life you can build fucking random walls and missiles out of thin air you can bring him back to life just to his regular little body he yeah. shows up looking for dan it's like oh shit you're back because we never even see him after he sort of disappears so it could have worked yeah. easily that way too and we didn't have to go through this whole thing about her body swapping with another dude and, and making it a whole thing jesus second of all i would have introduced the dream stone but kept it to three wishes total that's it we get one wish per person diana gets steve trevor back barbara gets to be more like diana and maxwell lord gets mind control powers like he does in the comics at one point he can essentially do the same exact shit he did in the movie without the whole thing about people having to touch him and make a wish he can just be oh like hey God. you i control you hey you're gonna sell your company to me your army belongs to me now basically do all the same shit that happened in the movie without all this backward ass dreamstone wishing on you can just have it so that the side effect is like oh because diana and barbara both wished on it mind control doesn't work on them so that's why he has to send goons after diana and them oh and my then God, jose that's amazing already <laughs> and it effectively turns him into killgrave yeah, yeah essentially he could be killed like jose read the dcip before coming on this podcast and had a very formulated out idea that he wrote down yeah. and then went and handed off to us and worth saying hey this is a movie here yep i would have also introduced for barbara having her examine the dreamstone and the dagger of the goddess of the hunt like in the comics so that way okay she gets to be more like diana but at some point in the movie she realizes okay i don't want to be just an equal to diana flesh that out more sense that rivalry oh wow even diana gets a level of her life back see that jealousy can creep through see that humanity that's where she gets the dagger of the goddess of the hunt to sort of like elevate that even more and we slowly see a transition to the cheetah as the movie goes along she starts developing those claws so that way in the fight at, at the white house wonder woman takes some hits and she's like oh shit cheetah's a threat she's actually doing some damage so that way one diana realizes she needs that golden armor after all to protect herself against cheetah instead of just randomly pulling it up out of nowhere like a an amazon package just sitting at her house just like oh, okay i'm gonna use this thing now because <laughs> i'm just laying around in my house and i'm just gonna use it for this one time because this ain't iron man you like just switch it armors for no damn reason exactly that gives her a reason to use this golden armor later on in the climax of the movie it's like hey okay i'm taking some hits from cheetah she can actually do some damage i need this armor to protect myself and b we can also use that to sort of fuel why max lord needs her it's like oh, okay my powers don't work on diana cheetah's the only one that could do some actually damage on diana let's team up because it's a superhero rule that if you have more than one villain in a superhero movie they have to team up or one villain has a team with a hero to go against the other supervillain because they're too much bigger of a threat that's mm -hmm. always a golden rule if you think about every i think as superhero movie that might make an exception is probably the dark knight with joker and two-face but even then there was a slight connection there where like the joker is sort of responsible for making two-face so yeah but yeah essentially i feel like the movie could have worked with those simple solves instead of the soul backward ass like wishing dreamstones and then what happens to all the people who wished and didn't want to renounce their wish what if somebody had cancer and wished to be cured of cancer does that go away did, do <laughs> you only show yeah why would i renounce that wish <laughs> shit like that don't worry so, don't worry that, about it yeah if you just give a max lord mind control powers like in the comics it would have easily solved a lot of the conundrum that came with the dreamstone and he could have effectively pulled off the same sort of schemes that he did in the movie overall yeah it just works better honestly jose yeah. And that's my take on how to fix this movie. Honestly, Jose, you probably should write this down at some point as a column. If anything, I'm surprised that why didn't Patty Jenkins yeah. and Jeff Jones think of this? This is like, you people had the extra time. You people had the extra time. This movie was delayed like five times. Why wouldn't you use this time to like fine tune your damn movie? Because oh, they didn't want to do COVID reshoots. Not even then, just editing. Just editing. <laughs> <laughs>
Like the whole scene with Diana and Steve in the apartment where he's like, oh, I'm another dude. Cut that shit out. Just have him come back to life with some editing. You could easily just cut yeah. the part with the other dude and just like, hey, I came back to life and then it disappeared. Simple as that. Oh my God. Blows my mind. It's like, all right, this is my rule now for movies that are coming after COVID. If you push this shit back for several months, this shit better be good now. Like you have all this extra time to fine tune your damn movie to make it as good as it can possibly be. It better not come out fucking 12 months later and still be a piece of shit. Come on. You Except got, for new movies. You got the extra time. We're going by college <laughs> rules now. Come on, people. You have the extra time. Make the most of it. All right. Then that was my rant on it. Anything you guys think you would have done differently for this movie? Honestly, the whole thing about the Asteria armor, I would have used that as the reason for her to be back in the mascara. And instead of having her as a child go through the trials, make her go through the trials in order to earn the armor. That probably would have made a lot more sense to her with that. Because again, she was effectively banished. So she's there and she says that she needs help. She has to earn her place back as the Amazons to get the armor and also be welcome to come and go as she pleases. Hopefully we get that in the third movie. Yeah, yeah, because like the way that it is now, you cut that whole Themyscira sequence and the movie is both shorter and unchanged. It will effectively be the same length as the first movie just with no themascara yeah themascara doesn't matter yeah so i guess move on to speculation for what we might get in the third movie chris what do you want to see in a third wonder woman movie i don't think i'm as familiar with wonder woman's catalog but i would like to see it be based in modern day and i don't know if they bring back cheetah how they're gonna do that i'd be interested in them just giving Kristen wig more to do in a movie i just remembered what one of my other questions was and i forgot to write it down how does Diana work at the Smithsonian? Like, does she have degrees? She probably does, to be honest. I mean, yeah, she's basically ageless, so she could have earned those degrees. She could have gone to college after World War One, gotten her degree. Yeah, like, hey. but they don't explain anything about her life. Like, they just want you to see that she's lonely. And they don't explain any of that. Like, now that I think about it, like, bringing back Steve Trevor feels way less earned than you think it does. It's just like this trope of she's in love with him and it becomes the meat and potatoes of this movie but like it's not an earned meat and potatoes it's just there and if we get cheetah in the next movie that'd be cool i feel like they need to take her back to themiscara and maybe yeah. they bring in donna troy but like i could also see patty jenkins just being opposed to that and like not wanting to bring up that ground so i honestly just want a more grounded movie i want a more thoughtful movie in the next one and more for Kristen wig to do Kristen wig is a fantastic actress if you've ever seen skeleton key you know what i mean all her stuff on snl is a lot of it her recent posting appearance is just a lot of her just bodying acting at times and just being willing to throw herself at things. And that's what she's always been known for. So it was really disheartening to see her actually try in this movie, but not get enough to do ever. And that's a real analogy for the movie as a whole, but still. I feel like Kristen Wiig was like that wild card casting that nobody saw. I was like, oh, out of all people to cast for Cheetah, they picked yeah. like a choice out of left field. But I think she did well with what she was given. And yeah, yeah. like you said, I wish she could have done a lot more. And I hope to see a lot more of Cheetah down the line. She's super funny. And like, she isn't that funny in this movie. Yeah, yeah. She's kind of quirky, but not really yeah. quirky. Yeah, funny. Not funny. I also want to see in the next movie, Diana have friends. Yeah. Give her some friends. We said like, yeah, okay. Etta Candy died. But like, come on. You don't have to be completely antisocial. Goddamn. The hot antisocial alone woman trope is just, I'm, I'm not into it. I don't think anybody yeah. really is into it. And if they do move it to present day, like she has the Justice League now she's out in the open. She doesn't have to keep things a secret anymore. She can have friends. She can have a social life. I got Yeah. Honestly, Jose, when you bring up the Bialia stuff and you also talk about the mind control, at this point for the third movie, just give me Queen B and Bialia. Just go for it. Give me that. Maybe I don't know what they do with it, but that could be something interesting to do something present day yeah i thought she was a very cool aspect in young justice she kind of brought a strange sense of regality to the villains it kind of made it seem like okay these aren't just your average can't be super villains these are people who are literally like you don't fuck with them like they may not all be able to fight but you still don't fuck with them <laughs> yeah and so it would be interesting to see and she has these abilities as well so i was like diana can't just go charging in and kill this lady a lot of dc villains are like that though yeah because lex luther becomes president at some point yep. queen just because all superman yeah and yes, Max Lord true. in the comics, basically. Yeah. As well, yeah. All right. How about you, Austin? What would you like to see in a third Wonder Woman movie? Just something different that isn't tropey. I mean, we have this superheroine, and in two movies, she's pining after a man. And I understand the reason behind wanting true love, but she is so much bigger than just someone who doesn't want to do anything now that the love of her life is gone. The fact that it's been 40 years or more, and she's 
still pining after him and acts like she can't live without him. I mean, haven't we seen enough movies where female lead needs a man in their life? Give me something different. Give me a Wonder Woman that's actually someone that doesn't need that. That doesn't need it. I mean, it's tropey to say... A strong, independent woman that doesn't need no man. It's tropey to say that. It's stereotypical to say that. But at the same time, there is value to that. I mean, we did it with Captain Marvel. You know, it wasn't the greatest movie, but it worked. And she didn't have a love interest. Superheroes don't always have a love interest. Move forward. She kind of did. They didn't go there, but she kind of did. Oh, with her friend, the daughter, yeah. Monica Rambeau? Okay. I would argue that she kind of did. It wasn't explicit, but you could feel the chemistry there. Yeah, yeah. that's more interesting than just pining after yeah. a man. Because that wasn't she, the focus absolutely. of the movie. Yeah. Like yeah. here, the plot is triggered because she wishes Steve Trevor to come back to life. Right. Which I guess, do we want to see Steve Trevor in the third one of the movie? No. Or no. time to bring in a new love interest? No. I mean, his storyline didn't really do anything in the second movie. I mean, it was yeah. more or it's less the same, the same thing. Yeah. So it was just a nice side arc. Yeah. Or the fact that Kristen Wiig's character is jealous of Gal Gadot's character. I mean, that's tropey too. Just because it's set in 1984 doesn't mean you have to have 1984 standards for female empowerment. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the movie that's was made later on or we've learned a little more, I would hope. So give me something new and don't patronize me. That's really all I'm asking for at this point. Well, for me, as we've said in a third movie, make a present day. We don't need to go back before Justice League or when Diana was still lonely playing about Steve Trevor. Let her move on. I think there was another love interest that she had in the comics besides Steve Trevor and Superman, whose name I can't remember. But really what I would love to see in a third movie is Villainy Inc., her opponents, that's been common for Wonder Woman. Have Ooh. Veronica Kalian bring in Giganta form that to basically take that Wonder Ooh. Woman and have maybe Queen Bee be part of that. Dr. Cyber fucking bring Cheetah back into that group. Have somebody organize, hey, maybe if Wonder Woman can now fly and has an invisible jet. So why does she need an invisible jet where she can fly? I don't know, but she is both now. So she can literally yeah. go around saving people around the world and maybe some bitches don't like that. It's like, oh, hell no. So they form this villainy ink of strong, independent women that don't need no man then try to take Wonder Woman down and that we see that in present day that's a good one Jose what about like Donna or Cassie are we yeah. gonna get any of either yeah. of them let's go back to Themyscira let's close out that arc because I feel like that's been open ended like okay she left Themyscira left her mom let's go back to Themyscira maybe we see Donna training or Cassie training and we grow the Amazon universe if they're actually planning an Amazon spinoff show that's a perfect way to like sort of kick that off and introduce those characters in the third Wonder Woman movie we see more of them go going forward in the Amazon TV show and maybe in their own HBO Max spinoffs. Who knows? Basically set something up for the future. Yeah, it'd be worth it. All right. To cap this off, let's get some ratings in here. Austin, <laughs> what would you rate this movie? I'm going to rate it a five. It wasn't particularly bad. It wasn't particularly good. It was just there. So I'm going to rate it a five. Okay. Brandon, what's your rating? As I said, I announced my review. Four out of ten. Four out of ten. Okay. Chris, how about you? I'm going to give this a four out of ten. I'm going to be slightly nicer and give it a six out of ten. It got messy, but I feel like there was potential there. If it had the fixes that I suggested, I feel like I would have liked it a lot more. But That's my it... issue. It doesn't act yeah. on like any of the potential that it has. Wasted yeah. potential. Like, Jose, like how long did that take you to think of? Took me a while to think of. Took you a while? Okay. Took me a second view and was like, okay, like I know something's off about this movie. I couldn't quite put my finger on it. So then I watched it a second time and be like, oh, okay, okay, I see what I would have done differently now. Okay. I think that that extra effort is just something that's missing from this movie. And clearly you made it. Yeah. Like the script seemed like this was like a first draft script that they went with in the final <laughs> shoot. Yeah. It's like, you know what? Needed a couple more revisions, guys. Like apparently the first Wonder Woman movie had basically Alan Heimberg like worked on the story even before patty jenkins got on board and then when she got on board is when they added the extra nuances here and there but essentially for the first movie it was very like tightly written out the story was crafted already this one felt like okay this is a rough draft that you just went fuck it and you just went roll with it i think i've brought this up before i know a lot of times when they do superhero trilogies they tend to do like origin story deconstruction reconstruction it felt like they tried to do a deconstruction but it is face planted i don't know what they're gonna do for the third one <laughs> yeah now that's it i'm glad that i saw it in hbo max yeah 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 can you imagine Imagine wasting 15 bucks to see that movie. Yeah, Bro, for two and a half people hours. People did. Yeah, some people did. It, it was one of the highest yeah. grossing movies of December. But it wasn't I, the highest grossing superhero movie of 2020, was it? Nope, that was Birds of Prey. Hell yeah. <laughs> 
What a time. Uh, yeah. What a time to be alive. <laughs> like forever ago. Yeah. If you would have told me that a Birds of Prey movie was going to be better than Wonder Woman movie, I would have laughed in your face. And yet here we are. Yet here we are. Yeah. 2020 was supposed to be the year of the female superhero. At this point, I'm just praying that Black Widow is good because <laughs> if COVID didn't happen and we got all these movies, can you imagine the outrage? Yeah. We got this for Wonder Woman and then Mulan. Yeah. Black Widow better bring it because damn. I think Black Widow will be good. Black Widow is just at fault of its own timing at this point. So, you know, I just feel bad for it more so than anything else. I got you. Yeah. yeah. All right. Now let's move on to our next favorite segment, Hot Take City. Brandon, let's start with your remaining hot takes. Okay. On the DC front, recently rewatched the 1989 Batman film, the Tim Burton one with Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson. And it kind of reminded me of something, or I should say a more recent film reminded me of it. That recent film would be 2008's The Dark Knight done by a certain Christopher Nolan. When I look at the movie, it almost feels like The Dark Knight was a remake of the 1989 film. What about that movie? where Batman has to stop a villain, where there's chemical gases released in the air, people go crazy, and he doesn't kill the villain, but doesn't have but to save, him, save him. Yeah. Am I talking about Batman 89, or am I talking about Batman Begins? That's fair. That was a hot take, obviously. But one thing that I also did think about with Dark Knight, it's probably a cold take at this point. Two-Face really didn't need to be in that movie. I know it's a beloved superhero film, and it's not a movie that I hate. It's a movie that I do like. I think they should have ended it with the Joker, and they should have done the third movie with Two-Face instead of with Bane. I get why they wanted to do that stuff, but like it just made the movie drag at the end. That's a good point. When I get to the end of that movie, I'm just sitting there going, all right, let's get it done. So I see that. Yeah, because like when they get through the whole thing with the Joker, it's like they still have another half hour, almost 40 minutes to do with Two-Face. And I'm just like, seriously? (laughs) My other one is actually Star Wars related, but also video game related. I started playing the Dragon Age series during COVID and it's developed by Bioware, the company that originally did Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. And as I've played through the first game and I'm on the second game now, it's kind of made me really miss the Knights of the Old Republic series. And so I really think it's time for them to do another Knights of the Old Republic game, whether it's a reboot or a remake, I think it's way past time. They could use the combat system from Dragon Age as a template if they wanted to go that route and make it more action-based. And then you can have like a power wheel and stuff like that. They can do it based on Mass Effect since Bioware also did that. I know EA has the rights to Star Wars and EA owns Bioware, so they can absolutely do it. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. But even if it's not that same time period, I think it's past time for that to make a comeback, another Star Wars RPG. And those are my takes. Thank you, Brandon. So I guess for my hot takes this week, keep it short this week, going back to the DCEU, I want more goddamn Justice League movies after the Snyder Cut, but without Zack Snyder. Like, I want the goddamn Legion of Doom movie that I was promised at the end of the theatrical movie. Give me that, but probably with a different Lex Luthor, please. No thank you to Jesse Eisenberg. You can bring back Cheetah to say that because she didn't renounce her wish, she still remained young. Pull her in there. I want to see that payoff. It's something that Marvel hasn't done yet. A full-on sort of evil Avengers kind of thing that they're probably going to be DC2 anyway if they do Masters of Evil going forward down the line but damn that would have been cool to see in a Justice League movie that they could have beaten Marvel to but I want that going forward Snyder can continue his shit in comics or whatever the hell he's gonna do but give me Legion of Doom going forward in a Justice League movie and yeah the DCEU as a whole has become weirdly problematic with just actors in general now we have that Ray Fisher scenario happening the whole Ezra Miller thing have him choking a fancy to be swept under the rug and there were new rumors that Mira might get a spinoff show on HBO Max with Emma Heard is like, oh, really, Dev? We're going to double dip on this scenario? And she's still coming back for Aquaman, too. Yeah, DC's got a lot of drama going on. Yeah. I feel like there's so much drama going on at WB that it could probably negatively impact the films that are being created, but they're not tapping into anything that's going on around them to create good art outside of, like, the indie movies, so it's almost like they're just kind of there, letting the drama continue, sitting in a burning building, saying this is fine. Oh, pretty much. So who knows what will go from here. Like maybe Flashpoint will do a partial solve in that because the DCU is in a tricky place. It's not a total success like Marvel, but it's not a total failure like the Dark Universe. It's like somewhere in the middle. Like some movies were hits and then some movies were flops. So they're kind of in this weird middle space where they got to keep going with the successful franchises and then rework the more non-successful ones going forward. So they're stuck between a rock and a hard place for how to go forward in this universe. And they're just like, fuck it, multiverse is the 
answer they're going with now, but yeah. people would have liked to see more of a cohesive universe like Marvel. Yeah. All right. Austin, let's go to your hot take. If you have a good character on your show, don't kill them off. Fargo did that to a annoying degree. They killed off every character that was interesting from Dr. Senator to the person who was playing an Irishman and who was part of an Italian family to Chris Rock's character. You can't build up a character arc and then just throw it away at the last second. It leaves a sour taste in my mouth. I think that's my hot take. I agree with that, honestly. If you kill off a good character too soon, you don't get a fully fleshed out character. You just get a good memory of that. I just honestly agree with that. I think I technically have three now. So this first one is built around last spring slash early summers. Hit documentary, The Last Dance. Emmy award winning documentary now makes Michael Jordan an Emmy award winner. Because fun fact, he owned all that footage. So they had to get him to sign off. And he's technically a producer, I think. So that's one up on LeBron. So I will now only recognize LeBron James as the GOAT if he wins an Oscar. For Space Jam 2? Yes. And I understand that he's a Premier League winner as an owner of Liverpool. I don't give a shit. I don't respect Liverpool. I forgot about that. I don't respect Liverpool. I think that this is a known thing about me. I don't respect Liverpool. Fuck them. But I will start to recognize LeBron James as the GOAT if he wins an Oscar. That's the only way now. My next one has to do specifically with the Steve McQueen British filmmaker. He is of Afro-Caribbean descent. He came out with the five-part movie series Small Axe, which features John Boyenga. It features Letitia Wright. And it's about the West Indian community in London and in the UK. And there's a movie called Lover's Rock, which is just all vibes. Like, it's just a movie about a party, and it's just all vibes. There's no real plot, and it is beautiful. But it features one of my favorite young actors, Michael Ward. And he's also done the show Top Boy, which got revived because of Drake's influence and it was on Netflix in 2019 and it's basically the people say that it's the British wire I can kind of see that drug dealing black people major metropolitan city and Michael Ward in everything that he's done just slays the kid kills it he gives you heart he gives you energy and he would make a compelling villain in a static shock movie or he would make a great rubber band man I think that this kid's got a great career ahead of him and I'm very hopeful to see him do something with anyone honestly anyone of note i think he is in that charlie's Theron netflix movie as well the old guard he's in that yep but i think he would make a great villain for a static shock movie or rubber band man and at some point we're probably going to get a lot of movies about the insurrection and about covid there's an hbo like heist movie i don't think any movie about covid or about this time in our lives is going to be worth it for like another 10 years i think they're all going to be good Have we even had a good 9-11 movie? No. And that's exactly my point. Like, I've never seen a good 9-11 movie, and it's just very grating to get through. And I don't know. How have there been? Like, United 93, World Trade Center. I think there's two more. Fahrenheit? Fahrenheit. Well, that was more of a documentary, right? Yeah. Okay. But, like, dramatic I guess he's saying, like, yeah. Yeah, dramatic movies. I don't think that we're going to have, like, a good one about COVID for a very long time. Let's get some separation. it's too soon. It's too soon. Like, there's so many stories that are still warming oh and look at the time you guys and that's our show austin where can the people find you they can find me at adw austin a-u-s-t-i-n and they can find me on instagram ahall3234 that is a-h-a-l-l-3234 Brandon, where can the people find you? People can find me on Twitter at B-C-K-E-S-S-O and on Instagram at L-D-Chocolate. Chris, where can the people find you? The people can find me at C-W-L-K-R-2-0 on Twitter and Instagram. All right. People can find me at Twitter at S-H-1-T-J-Y-L-O-W-S-A-Y-S and on Instagram at J-D-L-A-92. Thank you all for having us. We'll catch you next time on Nerdcraft Nation. Hello, this is Chris with the Fact Check. This issue was recorded on January 9th, 2021. 2017's Wonder Woman screenplay was written by Alan Hainberg, who co-wrote the story with Zack Snyder and Jason Fuchs. Wonder Woman 1984 screenplay was written by Patty Jenkins, Jeff Johns, and David Callahan. Jenkins also wrote and directed the biopic Monster, which earned Charlize Theron's Oscar. Kristen Wiig starred in The Skeleton Twins, not The Skeleton Key. 
Christina Hodgson wrote the screenplays for 2020's Birds of Prey and 2018's Bumblebee. Currently, she's working on scripts for Batgirl and The Flash. Glow was created by Liz Flahive and Carly Mensch, previously writers on Showtime's Nurse Jackie. The Emmy-nominated female wrestling-based dramedy ran for three seasons and, as Austin correctly noted, was cancelled because of COVID-19 pandemic-related cost-cutting. Multiple DC villains have acted as head of state around the world. Lex Luthor becomes president of the United States at varied points, which goes how you'd expect. Queen Bee ran Vialia in the late 80s. Count Vertigo is apparently the new ruler of Vlatova via the New 52 reboot. Orm, the Ocean Master, is King of Atlantis before being defeated by Aquaman. And finally, Bane leads the island of Santa Prisca multiple times. Wonder Woman has had several love interests throughout her iterations over the last 70 years aside from Steve Trevor, including men such as Superman, Batman, and Trevor Barnes, and women such as Kaisa and potentially Mala, both of whom are Amazons. DC's Future State, the event series in direct sequel to the publisher's recent Dark Knight's Death Metal, technically starts in 2025 and features Black Batman, Superman's son stepping into the mantle, and other character-changing aspects. The miniseries is a break from the main storylines in the comics to peek into the possible future, which somehow leads to Swamp Thing as the ruler in the year 4500. Batman Beyond, the early 2000s TV series, which was later made comic book canon, is based in the year 2039, if we use the Justice League Unlimited epilogue episode as an informational point. In April 2021, Eurogamer.net reported that a remake of the Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic was in development by Aspire Media, the game studio who ported the franchise to various platforms. This news came after the 2021 launch of Lucasfilm Games, a relaunch of LucasArts that seemingly signaled the end of EA Games' exclusive hold on Star Wars video games. After Johnny Depp lost a libel claim to UK news outlet The Sun about a column that called him a wife-beater in relation to his previous marriage with Amber Heard, both parties have alleged abuse against the other. Depp resigned from his role as Gellert Grinderwald in Warner Brothers' Fantastic Beasts series. Heard is still signed on as Mira in Aquaman 2, which was confirmed via Instagram on June 19th. At the time of initial production on this episode, Ray Fisher and Warner Brothers had not confirmed if Fisher would return to the role of Cyborg going forward for other DC movies. Since recording this episode, more has come out about Whedon's behavior on set from an interview with Vanity Fair in March in promotion of the Snyder Cut featuring Fisher and Deathstroke actor Joe Maganello. In addition, Buffy and Angel actress Charisma Carpenter posted to Twitter her involvement in the investigation, noting Whedon's behavior was cruel and created toxic work environments. Her comments were backed by fellow Buffy actresses Amber Benson and Michelle Trachtenberg. In early April, Fisher gave an in-depth interview with The Hollywood Reporter in which he detailed his interactions with Whedon and the investigation after he made his claims against the director and the studio. Finally, in early May, Wonder Woman actress Gail Godot confirmed the abusive treatment she received on set from Whedon to an Israeli media outlet. That's our fact check. Thank you for listening. And that's our show. Nerdcraft Nation is a partner of Pub Square Media and is hosted by Austin Hall, Jose Lopez, Brandon Kessley, and Chris Walker. Our theme music was composed by Daniel Farris. If you would like to keep up with the show, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Nerdcraft Nation, like us on Facebook, or subscribe on your podcast app of choice. Be sure to leave a review if you can. If you would like to send us a voice message, please check out our show notes for a link to our voicemail inbox.